Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. Today, we're going to talk about just how easy you make it for people to work with you. All right. I have thoughts. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because we had a lot of fun recording the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, actually, Jonathan, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is I just had this experience last week, and it was a, uh, a WordPress developer that I'd used for some other things. And and he'd been adding people to his staff, and so he changed a process in how we would work with them. So instead of just sending an email saying, this is what we want, we had to go through this third-party system. And if I understand this right, the third-party system would then send a note to Asana, which is where he would, which is what he would use to assign the work and monitor the work. And we said, fine, you know, we'll do that. So, so my team did that, and, um, and then it broke. And so instead of just sort of fixing it, this developer sent us something like three emails asking us to go in to Asana, which we don't use, and fix it. <laughs> and so finally, um, my VA, you know, sent me all three notes and said, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? And I'm like, all right, see if he'll fix it. And if he won't fix it, we're going to move on. And so... I mean, it was so frustrating as the client to have to go through these hurdles that had nothing to do with what, you know, with what we wanted to do. And I, I don't want to learn how to use Asana. I'd rather put needles in my eyes than try to go in and troubleshoot, you know, his system that we don't use. Yeah. So, so it got me to thinking about, you know, how easy do we each make it to work with us? So let me ask this. Was this part of the onboarding? What stage of the relationship were you in here? This was post money changing hands or post decision? Or was this all like preliminary? This is this is how it was. It was, it was preliminary. Now, I've worked with him before. And the way we do it is is we tell him what it is we want. He usually tells us what it's going to cost unless it's just a little thing. And he just bills us by the hour, sends us a bill when he's done and we pay it. So he didn't even know what we wanted him to do. And it was a really a, a very small but important thing that we needed fixed. And so it wasn't, I wasn't worried about what it would cost. I just wanted him to fix it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, when you were telling that story, I was shaking my head so hard. It's like, it's like Rochelle is not your customer service team or your, <laughs> your quality assurance team. That's the last thing you should be letting the client deal with. But whatever. Okay. So I, you can see where the, 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 uh, the lazy impulse, lazy is the wrong word, but it, it's like not good. That's not a good customer experience. So, okay. So let's talk today about, about things that, I mean, I can think of examples of a number of examples where, um, in the, in the sort of right at the bottom of the funnel, I've used a bunch of different filters or sort of hoops to jump through for different kinds of clients, depending on the service and the kind mm -hmm. of, the kind of message I'm trying to tell about the experience that they're going to have if we do end up working together. Mm, right. But, yeah. And one of those things, it, it, and it really, it changes. So it depends. So like for, um, you know, for my book, let's say digital book, I don't want to put up any hurdles for someone to, to buy and get that installed on the device. So I make that as, as frictionless as possible. And it's, it's a one click right. thing, you know, minimal number of fields. I don't ask for their shipping address. Like, you know, you see some of these things, they ask for a shipping address when it's going to be a digital delivery. It makes no sense. And, you know, I, I make that as, as slippery of a funnel as possible. 
But on the high end, so my highest tier consulting, you know, one-on-one mentoring program, a six-month private mentoring program, I don't want any old person to just click a buy now button on my website and, you know, think all of a sudden that I'm at their beck and call. So because, <laughs> right. because that's not the relationship. The relationship is, is you know, imagine a, a sports coach or athletic type of scenario or, you know, a, a karate teacher would take karate and they, they don't let you tell them what you're going to do, even though you're the customer per se. The teacher's in charge. They tell you what you're going to do and you do it mm-hmm. or you can leave. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that's my, that is my approach with, that's what you're paying for when, you, right. when we're in a coaching relationship. That is exactly what you're paying for because it's what you need. You're probably, stu- you know, the, the right person needs. They're stuck. They need to get unstuck. They have too many ideas. They can't tell good ones from bad ones. They don't know. They're, they're just completely jammed up. And they need someone to just be like, look, I'm not going to explain to you why this is going to work. I want you to just go do this. And when you're done, tell me and we'll do the next thing. Because the problem is you're overanalyzing everything or, you know, something like that. It depends on the person. Right. Right. So I will purposely put up like an application process that that they have to fill out. And it's purposely long because Mm -hmm. I don't want some, you know, I don't someone I don't want someone who's not bought in and engaged and enrolled in the idea to just like click a button to set up a, a meeting in my calendar. So we're going to have a phone call and chit chat. No, thanks. I want someone right. who recognizes right. the nature of the relationship is going, the, the sales process is going to be like the relationship where I take control of the process. This is how it works. This is what you do next. Here's what's going to happen after that. And then if it, this all sounds good and it seems like a good fit, then, then you can pay me that sort of thing. Right. So, but that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of, of the way that you bring clients in matches you and your process, your brand and the way you run your business. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. Right. I, I often say like, if you let people push you around in the sales process, why does it surprise you when they push you around during the project? So oh, if you, if you sure. don't want scope creep in the project, which means you have to put your scope, creep is a na- it's like a natural, it's like entropy. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to, mm-hmm. uh, it may or may not happen, but it's going to rear its ugly head. And you, as the champion of the project, need to defend the project against the monster of scope creep because that just turns into never shipping or when you do ship, it's a pile of garbage. So you you need to get used to pushing back on the client. And that relationship starts at the very beginning, not once money changes hands or not once they yeah. agree to the proposal. If you're, if you're a total pushover, you know, if, you know giving them concessions – whatever they ask for basically oh is this your best price oh could we get option two for the price of option one yes 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 that's fine (laughs) yep that's all fine and then all of a sudden you're going to take a stand when when the stakes are you know higher it doesn't it doesn't make sense so i I could not agree more with this premise Uh, i don't i don't think about it that much though and i'd be surprised if most people think about it so that's why you know i'm glad we're talking about it have you have you got other examples that there's somewhere in between the those two ends of the spectrum? Well, I mean, I I think the people who think about it most are the ones who are either not getting enough prospects, right? They're not getting enough through their, their funnel or they're getting too many of the wrong ones. Mm. Right. And so if you're getting too many of the wrong ones then you have to start looking at, you know, where are all the break points in your process? How are you letting the wrong people through? Because it's, you know, it's not that you're a magnet for all these bad people, but 
Maybe you are. Maybe the words <laughs> that you're using or the images or the processes that you're using are echoing something that unconsciously that you don't mean to to project. Right. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, one, you know, one of my favorite examples of that is, you know, I had a client who kept saying, all I get are the broken tortured. It's like they make a beeline for my door. So I looked at her website and said, well, here's why. When you looked at the language, it was appealing to the broken, tortured in us. And then because she was a very empathic person, so she'd get the person on the phone and then she'd start to go, oh, yeah, you know, it's really tough. It's really tough. And then when it would come time to pull the trigger, they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why. And so when she switched up the language on the website, you know, it was like a door closed. All hmm. of a sudden, you know, the broken, tortured weren't finding a happy place there. And they right. went somewhere else. Right. They're bouncing. Oh, no one's going to commiserate yeah. with me here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have a, uh, I have a client who uh, is in that consultant author speaker space. Mm -hmm. And he loves to do anything related to his books. He loves to do anything related to speaking. But for consulting, he's wrapped a fence around what he will do. And we call it parachute consulting. Um, he won't do any big long-term assignments. It has to be something that is generally a day or less, although he's done a couple of two-day things. But literally, he parachutes in, sometimes physically, sometimes just, you know. <laughs> physically, <laughs> not, but not literally. Yeah. Exactly. And he's got a huge price tag for those assignments. And so the hurdles that people have to go through to get to him for that are large, but the hurdles to get him to speak are, are very low. So I, you know, I think you can also, you know, design a process around, you know, different things that you do, um, provided your audience is mostly the same. Hmm. My, my favorite example, have you ever seen the movie Elf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miles Finch is like, you know, the guy from Game of Thrones, like that whole scenario it, that you just reminded me of that, where it's like, I will be picked up at the airport in a limo. The interior temperature will be 72 degrees. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and he shows up, you know, and he shows up and, and that, but that's what everyone was hanging on every word. Like when he finally, they finally managed to get him there. It's not about like, yes, they're going to pay him a ton of money, but that's not the, like you, if you are going into an organization, you need to, to change it. You, the, you need to get enrollment from the people there. And, and it takes more than money to do that. Mm -hmm. And it takes more than yes. trust. Like they need to be in, in my experience. And I wouldn't say I'm particularly great at it. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing what a, a good path is for someone, but getting them to actually take the steps. And we're talking about a big consulting engagement, big company, mm -hmm. To get right. them to actually, I can probably count on one hand the times when people actually implemented advice that they swore up and down that they, they thanked me for. They said that was amazing. They happily paid my bill and then didn't do anything. And it's, it's because they weren't enrolled. You know, they, they felt like they, something needs to be done. Okay. We hired this guy. Something has been done. Now we're all set. You know, like they get this strategy document or they get this planning document or they get an architecture or something and it just sits there in the closet. And I imagine you've seen that in your consulting previous life. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, I think that, you know, the, for me, the way around that is, is that I always think of consulting as the answer is in the client and our job is to bring it out. 
And, and that's not always true. I mean, sometimes you bring in like a bet the business consultant and you just need to do what they say right? because you're going to tank otherwise. I mean, there are exceptions, but if, if you can't, as a consultant, if you can't figure out what's inside the client, then you're never going to be successful because you have to work with what's inside. And when I say what's inside, it's usually not just one person, right? There's a team of people with different responsibilities. It's not just coming in and applying our expertise and leaving, it's about engaging them and applying our expertise and teaching them what they need to know so that we can leave. Right. I mean, that's that's how I think about it. Yes. And not I mean, it, it might sound a little bit like we're on a tangent, but I, I the point and the reason for bringing it up is that it starts way before the engagement. So like whatever needs to be done to get them into the mindset that is going to make the engagement successful needs to start at the very, very beginning. And sometimes, and I think a lot of times, especially at the higher end, it's the opposite of the slippery funnel that I mentioned earlier. You don't want to make it super simple for people to, you know, I'm not saying tire kickers because, you know, there's that people like, oh, well, I don't want, I don't want to have a million meetings with leads just to find out that you know, they're not, they're not, um, they're not actually interested. They're just shopping around. But, and I, and that's true. That's a thing. But I think that the bigger picture is that could actually be leading to unsuccessful engagements because they just have the wrong mindset about you. Like they see you in a way that is subordinate or not, they're just not engaged with you at the right level. Mm-hmm. which of course can have a big effect on what prices you're able to, you know, the fees you're able to set for your work. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're saying the same thing. It's, it, there's an alignment process and that alignment, as you point out, has to happen from the very first conversation so that if you're tentative or uh, too quiet about the process um, and, and don't get me wrong, being a good listener is a good thing, but you also have to be very clear and you've got it. And one way to build trust is by the gravitas that you're showing around your topic and your expertise as you pull the team members into the process. So, you know, I always argue, um, that I, I'm not saying that it should be super easy to work with you all the time. Um, I don't think that's true at all. I think the amount of ease has to match your process and the particular client. So if you've identified your niche and you've identified your sweet spot client, I think you want to make it easy for them to work with you because you've, assuming you've already qualified that they're, they're all those things, then how easy can, can I make it to, to work with you? How easy can I get it to be? How, how, uh, I don't, it's seamless, smooth, uh, frictionless, where it's just so natural that of course they're going to hire you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the example that you gave at the beginning about the guy with a sauna. And it's like, he's making it hard in the wrong way. Like, I can't even, you know what I mean? Well, it's like, maybe. Maybe. I mean, because I, I could also argue if what he wants is he wants all of his clients, he wants everything to be in a sauna because it's all about being able to streamline the work, then he should just say that up front and I won't work with him anymore. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. You're right. Because yeah, if cause was, it could be a valid decision. Yes. Where he's, I would say it's invalid for someone in the service business to take that approach, but okay, maybe he wants to be the low cost leader. And so therefore he needs to optimize and make very self-service and it's my way or the highway. You use a sauna, you 
this is what you do. And if he was 100% clear about that up front, then yeah, I suppose he would attract the right kind of clients for him. That sounds like a terrible kind of client to attract to me. But yeah, I wouldn't want that, but right. no, I'm not him. Right. It, it's okay. So his business model aside, I, you're right. <laughs> you're right. The thing that that's why I was saying it, it feels like he was making it hard in the wrong way because I would, it's hard yeah. for me to even put myself in a position to imagine wanting to attract the kind of clients who would be willing to debug a sauna for me. You know, that's not, a, that's, <laughs> that's not a, a well-heeled client. So anyway, um, can you think of, we've given a, a, some examples of sort of, uh, like the, the rules of engagement in the funnel, depending on, on, on the, the, what the engagement to come. So is that how you would, if you were working with someone, how would you craft kind of, uh, marketing sales onboarding process for one of your clients who is maybe attracting the wrong kind of, kind of business? Well, um, I think the thing to know first is who is it you want to attract? That's kind of the fun, the the prism I always look through. Who are you trying to attract? And as much detail, client avatar, client profile as as you can get on that. So you say, okay, I want um, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, male, female doesn't matter. Age. What kind of businesses they run? What are their attitudes? You know, all those things. And then once you have that list. And, and really, anybody can do this. It's hard to do it for yourself, but you can easily do this for somebody else. Is you take that list and you start looking at something as simple as the website and, and you match them up. So, you know, the example I see a lot is somebody says, you know, I'm working for entrepreneurs. And then you read the language and it's ponderous. <laughs> and it's like every word is 10 syllables. It's like entrepreneurs are not attracted to that. You need to, you know, like get rid of, you know, 60% of your content and simplify it. Or, yep. or the example I used of, of the broken tortured where, you know, clearly that language was, you know, let me help you. Let me fix this. Let me make it better for you. And, you know, mm -hmm. she was attracting the wrong kinds of people. So make that list of who it is you want and then look at that language. And then there's sort of the third piece, which is a little bit different, which is the how you run your business part, because the language is one thing. But the how you run your business, Jonathan, the example you gave of the intake form. Yes. So. I like that as a match for your process. Now, there are some people that do intake forms that I think don't do them well because they don't match up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the example um, that I think of a lot is that some clients, I mean, the assumption we make as consultants is that our client has a problem that they need help fixing, right? But if you put yourself in that client's shoes, they have to tell you that they have a problem. And there's an intimacy level you have to achieve for them to do that because a lot of times clients feel like they should know the answer. They should be able to fix it th themselves and it's embarrassing to have to ask for help. Mm. So when you have a big long intake form on something that is acutely embarrassing, they have to jump a pretty big hurdle to give you all that information. So the question I always ask is, have you built the trust to get to that point. Uh, it's so funny that you're saying that because, because I, I absolutely carefully crafted the questions on that application and the order that they're in to slowly build up a, a momentum and trust and a comfort and like to kind of get them into their own heads slowly, mm -hmm. you know, ask all the easy questions first, you know, name, rank, and serial number, 
then, you know, have you ever done that? You know, just simple, simple questions. And then it, it gets increasingly personal as I go. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's not just that I put up, you know, some long form to, to weed out people who feel like they're too busy to fill it out or whatever, to put myself on a pedestal, like, oh, you will comply with my intake policy. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> it's partially that, but, but it's more than that because like you said, you can do it wrong. And the, the questions on this form, when you get, you get through it, it really makes you think. And it, it makes you, th- right. makes you think about stuff that by the end, if you weren't, if the, if you weren't sure that you needed help by the end of filling out this form, like you don't need my help or I can't help you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, it, and it, I don't even like the idea of, 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 kind of painting the picture of like me reaching into your life and fixing your problem. Cause it's you, you have to fix it. But, right. Right. but the, you know, it's like, if you're coaching whoever, I can't, I don't know anybody in sports who's in sports, Tiger Woods or somebody, he doesn't, he's not even in sports anymore. Um, but anyway, a coach, a coach cannot play the game for you. You know, the coach is like, right. they're like a, a really, really specific mirror back to you. It'd be like, okay, you know, I, I see this, I see, I'm your outside perspective. This is what you, blah, 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 you need to work on. And the idea of the form isn't just a road, you know, a speed bump or a roadblock. It, it really gets the person, I work the person into a very thoughtful state, or at least that's my attempt. And I imagine, I've never looked, I could probably check to see how many people started to fill out the form and then gave up at a certain point. That would be an interesting detail. I've never looked, but. Um, oh, I, I would look. I think that would be an interesting thing to know. And mm-hmm. and you could argue that anybody who dropped out was not a good client for you. Oh, 100%. Right. Because we're going to get into stuff. Yeah. We get into stuff. You're, you're And you're it, you're holding up a mirror. And they're going, oh, no, I'm not ready to dig into that one. Mm-hmm. I'm just not ready. And then they, they fall off. Mm-hmm. But it's that whole process. I, I like the way you described it. Because I think we all need to do that on any process we use, whether it's on the website, whether it's automated, or even if it's on the phone. You know, if, if your goal, like a lot of coaches, for example, they don't want too much intake um, on, on online. They want it on the phone because it's a greater intimacy when you're on a voice-to-voice conversation on the phone. And people will tell you things on the phone that they might not tell you in person or online. Yes. So it's that it's designing that process so that it follows the way you want to work. So it's, it's the experience of working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, I mean, if, if I if really, if, if we were to summarize everything we've probably said on this, on this podcast so far, and I don't mean just this episode, I mean the whole podcast, it's about lining up everything that you do with the experience of working with you and being with you. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do is capture that, that magic and so that the right people can see it and be pulled in by it. Hmm. Yeah. And, the, and again, common theme across most, if not all of the episodes is it is almost impossible to do that if you don't know who you're trying to serve. So mm-hmm. the more specific yeah. you can get about the, your ideal uh, client avatar, the, the easier it's going to be to do that. Because all of a sudden you can, you can know, you can know what language to use and you can know mm-hmm. what questions are going to really make them think about their situation or the opportunities that they want or feel like they're missing out on. And, you know, it's like having a conversation with a, a, a friend that you've known for a long time. You know how to talk to them. Yeah. You don't get speakers yeah. block when you're having a conversation with someone you've known for 10 years. 
it's the same way. If you know what kind of clients you want to attract and you're, you've got some experience. And, and the reason you know that is because you've randomly had a few of them in the general mix <laughs> of, of, you know, the general mishmash of all clients that you've ever served. There are a few that really clicked with you. Like, Oh, it would be great if I had more like Jane. She was awesome. And like, well, right. you know, Jane really well. Why don't you write all of your marketing materials and your website and your intake form or whatever your process is in a way that you're, 99% sure Jane would be like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the kind of thing I need. And when this is so hard for people to do though, you know, but dear listener, it, it, it sounds hard and it sounds like the idea of filtering someone out of your funnel seems like a gut punch <laughs> because, you know, whatever you're spending all this money on Facebook ads or all of your activity to attract people to your, whatever your funnel is, your website or whatever. And to imagine purposely, intentionally kind of slamming the door on, you know, perhaps a large portion of those people seems like throwing money down the toilet, but mm-hmm. it's, it's actually the opposite because you have started hitting home runs left and right. And those people refer other people to you and, and, oh, what do you know? People that Jane likes are like Jane and she sends more people your way. And it's, it doesn't happen overnight, but it, it it's actually kind of simple when you think about it if we could just get out of our own way. It is. It becomes like a magnet. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the challenge is it's just everything has to match. And nobody gets it right the first time out of the block. Most people don't get it right the 10th time out of the block. <laughs> you know, it's a process and you try and see what works. And, you know, one of the things I always look at for my own stuff to see how I'm doing is when I have a conversation with a potential client, you know, on the phone, not the email stuff, but on the phone, how I, I can tell usually in the first five minutes whether something. And that doesn't mean they'll pull the trigger then, but whether we've got kind of the chemistry and the situation and it's going to work. And so, you know, I'll go back and say, all right, how many, you know, of the right people am I getting for these conversations? Am I getting the wrong ones? If, if I have a string, and it's been a while since this has happened now that I think about it, but if I have a string of, you know, two or three or four that are just off, then I stop and I go back and see, all right, what have I been doing differently because I'm getting the wrong people here? Mm. What's what's going on? Is it something I wrote? Is it something in social media? Is it a referral? Where are they coming from and how can I match it up? And it's not that hard, <laughs> really, yeah. you know, because you, you look at it and go, okay, it's got to be something. What is it? And you take a quick look and you, and you tweak and you try it and, you know, and you see how that works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's not rocket science, but you do have to try things and not everything's going to work. Yeah, that's good. This is, I think that this is good stuff. I think that this is super useful because now you've got me, you know, it's, this is my weekly therapy, right? Like you've got me thinking like, <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it's one of those things. I, I think, I think I have a tendency, uh, I'm thoughtful about this stuff, but I have a tendency to leave it once it's done. So like I was saying, I haven't gone back and looked at that form itself in a long time. So now I'm like, oh, I should, I'm going to go back and see like, you know, are people falling out of that form? What question are they falling out on? Do it, do it, is that right. question actually a good question or did I just throw it in there? Did it, you know, is, is it sometimes you'll word it in a way that it could be taken, you know, it, not in the way that it was intended. So uh, I'm going to go back and audit my process. See if my. <laughs> Ooh, sounds like fun. Yeah. Mm, audit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. So should we, should we, do we have any parting thoughts? 
Yeah, I just I I think actually I, I think it's helpful every once in a while to do what you just suggested, which is to go back and take a look at what you're doing and seeing if it still holds up. Because once it's on the website, we tend to forget about it. Exactly. And to be able to go back and look at it, and then look at the back end, Google Analytics, see what's happening on that page. I I just think that's good to know, and then you can decide whether you want to do something or not. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for this week, yeah. folks. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.